Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Again, in comparison, you look at your walk with the Lord, your, your service to God, um, what you're willing to put into it. Are you temperate in terms of your walk with the Lord? What does that mean? That means that in order for that after, in order for me to be my best, there's some things I'm going to forego. Right? That's what Paul was talking about earlier in this in this letter. In chapter earlier in chapter nine and chapter eight, Paul said, look, there's some things that I got liberty to do what I want to do. But if that's gonna hinder my walk, if that's gonna stumble you and you're my goal, part of part of my goal is to be a witness to you, I'll forego that. I'm living for something way bigger than me. Oftentimes, Christians get put into this box where others think they aren't free to make their own decisions. They think we have this long list of things we can't do and this tiny list of things that are acceptable. What Pastor Bill reminds us of today, however, is that we're just as free as everyone else. More free in fact, because we're free from the need to sin. If your heart has been transformed, your desires are what changed. There are things you'll stay away from because you know it's simply not good for you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 as he continues his message, Run, Fight, Win. Look at what he says next. Look at verse 25. He says, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. So he says, everyone who competes, that word competes, it means to endeavor with strenuous zeal, to strive to obtain something. It's, this is not lightweight. You know, this person is working hard. Uh, once again, if you write notes, it's to endeavor with strenuous zeal to strive to obtain something. That's what it means when he says everyone who competes. For those that are competing, they're striving. They're, they're exerting themselves. There's energy. There's effort that's putting into it. And they're, they're doing it for the prize. Now, the prize is different for an athlete and for the believer. This should make a difference, too. Now, these athletes in particular, the ones Paul's talking about, when they win, they would win a little wreath that would go around their head. It would be an olive tree leaf. Um, there was another kind of leaf that it was made of, uh, something that would perish. You know, that thing would only be good for a week or two and then it would die and crumple up. And I guess you could sit it on the thing. It wasn't even a it wasn't even like a gold trophy. You know, or metal. I mean, they were just a, a somebody wove some leaves together, put it on your head. All I mean, they worked all year. When they came to these it's me and games, they had to work for 10 months. They had to have 10 months straight of preparation to be able to get in. If they didn't do the 10 months, if they showed up unprepared, they couldn't compete anyway. So they I mean, when you think of the discipline, the commitment, the everything else for this little bit of reason. Now, there might have also been a little bit of bragging rights. You know, um, I know most guys. You know, I've seen guys that go hard, you know, battling for something. And I've seen guys playing basketball and you swear, are you getting paid? I mean, we just at the park, bro. You're not, you're not getting a prize. You won't get no shoes out of this. You know, you got some people that that's just how they play. They compete. They go hard. They want to win just for man pride, just to be able to say, I won. You know, I beat you again. You know, so now they do this, Paul says, for a perishable crown, something that's not going to last very long. But you and I, our service to the Lord, you know, our our running our race, we have the opportunity to store up treasure to to, to win prizes, you know, prizes and sense, spiritual things that that go on before us. Jesus told his disciples, don't store up your treasures on earth where moth and dust corrupt, where thieves break in and steal. He said, no, store them up in heaven where you're going to have it for all eternity. 
right? Live for the next life. Live for the life that's to come. Now, Paul had an interesting vantage point. We're not trying to go through all of his life, but at one point, Paul was stoned, uh, we believe, to death. And when he went in Iconium, they stoned him and they left him for dead. They, they didn't stone you to hurt you. They stoned you to kill you in them days. And then the Lord raised him up. And I've always, when I look at that, I'm always amazed at the story because what what where did he go when he got raised up? Right back in. That's my kind of God. Paul said, I'm coming back. I'm not done. God raised me up once. I'm coming. Must be not done yet. You know, he went right back in there. But in that time frame, it says that he had gone into the third heaven. You know, there's three heavens. There's the atmosphere where you live right now. That's the first heaven. There's the galaxies in space. That's the second heaven. Then there's the third heaven. That's the spirit realm. That's where, where God exists in the unseen realm. And so Paul got a glimpse of the third heaven. Interesting to me that when he got there, he said the things I saw, it would be a crime for me to try to put it into words. So I'm always kind of taken back when people say they went to heaven and they write books and selling them. Because <laughs> I don't know if you went or not. I know Paul went and Paul said the things I saw, it would be a sin to put it into human words. You're going to have to wait till you get there indescribable. And it goes along with 1 Corinthians 2, 9, that eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have it entered into the heart of man things that God has prepared for those who love him. He said, you can't even, you ain't seen it. You ain't, I like that idea better anyway. You know, that it, you mean heaven is so amazing that you can't even put it into words? Because I can put Hawaii into words. I've been to Jamaica. I put Jamaica into words. It's beautiful too. But he said, what I saw, I cannot even put it into words. So a man that's been into the next realm, he knows what we have to look forward to He's saying, guys, store it up. We, we have opportunity to store treasure way up there. To, we, have a, we have opportunity to win prizes that are there for all eternity. And so we, we want to compete in that sort of way. If these people can compete like that for temporary prizes, for those of us, we have so much more to gain. So he says this, and everyone who competes for the prize, first thing, he's temperate. That means he's self-controlled. Uh, if you, you check out any of these Olympic athletes, um, it's amazing what they have to endure over the year. They can't eat like everybody else. They got to work out. They got to be on regimens of workouts, you know, so many hours a day. These ain't little workouts. These are they working out, out, out. You know, they're working all year long for one day, one period of time to go out and run or go out and swim, to go out and, and do whatever the case is. All of that. And at the, at the end of the day, at the best case scenario in our day, you get a medal, gold, silver, bronze. And God says that now they do that for something that will perish. But we, we again, we're, we're working for God. We're working for something that's far greater. Does it look like that, though? You know, do when you again, in comparison, when you look at your walk with the Lord, your your service to God, um, what you're willing to put into it. Are you temperate in terms of your walk with the Lord? What does that mean? That means that in order for that athlete, in order for me to be my best, there's some things I'm going to forego. Right. That's what Paul was talking about earlier in this in this letter in chapter earlier in chapter nine and chapter eight. Paul said, look, there's some things that I got liberty to do what I want to do. But if that's going to hinder my walk, if that's going to stumble you and you're my goal, part of part of my goal is to be a witness to you. I'll forego that. I'm living for something way bigger than me. I'm living for something bigger than pleasing myself. If me drinking is going to make you, I won't drink. I'll never drink again. Paul, me eating meat and sacrifice idols, even though it's at a better deal, that's going to bother you and bum you out. I'll, I'll forego that. I love you more than me. We'll go eat some artichokes together or something, you know. Paul said, I, I, I understand that I'm living for something greater than just me. Um, make sure that that's true for you, right? Make sure that that can be said about you, that you're living for something greater than just you. 
that your whole life is not comprised of what you can get for you. And that's it. Because that's an empty life when it's all said and done. You can't take it with you. There'll be people that spent this whole life, their money, their energy, their effort, their ability to get stuff for them. And then they're going to die and leave all that stuff behind for their kids to fight over. That's exactly what's going to happen. I've done enough funerals. People that the more stuff you leave behind, the more fierce the fighting, vicious. Can't take it with you, right? Can't take it with you. But check this out. You can have somebody that lives for the Lord, right? Lives for the Lord. And you, you can take it with you. Lead your kids to Christ. They'll be in heaven with you. Lead your neighbor to Christ. They'll be in heaven with you. As you bring people to Jesus and lead them there, I can't, I, none of my stuff can go, but there's some people that I want to see up there. There's some people I most definitely want. I got four kids. I want to see every one of them. I got a wife. I just led her to the Lord. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, I, I got family. I got friends. We got neighbors. We got people that everywhere we go, it's like, man, these are people. And inside those people is a soul. They're eternal beings. I, we want to see them get there. And God will use us in that way if we're available. And so they're temperate in all things. And again, I would challenge everybody here in that of being temperate. Um, what are you willing to forego in order to be a better Christian? As far as being disciplined, does it mean you need to get up earlier so you can have time in the word every day? You know, we start every year, we start the Bible challenge and it'd be at the beginning of the year. You know, some people now they won't even commit because they know they're not going to do it, you know, but I do it every day and it's not even 30 minutes, not even 30 minutes every day. Uh, I go back to it and study it deeper, whatever. I hear so many excuses. Well, you know, I just wouldn't do it like that or da, da 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 And if you're doing something else, praise the Lord, right? But I'm saying this, most, most people I know that won't commit to that fall off of whatever they, they're doing because it's hard to fall off a Bible reading plan because if you ask me today, did you read, right? You know what I was supposed to have read. Did you get that Leviticus? You know what I'm saying? Was it, did you get that? Did you get that Mark 9? Huh? Did you get that Psalm? Did you, I mean, we would know it so you can't fake it. And that's what some people do. Oh, yeah, I was in the world. You know, I was just about, it was about Jesus. How much he loves me. You know, that, 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 it'd, be that it'd be that salty. But I'm, as, you, as you read it, right, this is, I'll tell you a nugget I got. I did Leviticus today. And, and this, this is for you guys that are reading it. It's, it's, Leviticus is where a lot of folks fall off. It's the hard stuff. But I got me a nugget. I got me one thing, right? God told them, when you guys glean the fields, don't take it all. Leave some for the poor. And I wrote down on my thing, when you get paid, don't take it all for yourself. We give to the Lord, but he says, put something aside on purpose to give to some people that don't have, to give to the needy. That's what I want you to do. That's what God was telling them to do. I bless you with all of it. Now, don't glean it all, greedy gut. You know, let some stuff fall down for the poor people. They hungry. So you get however much you get. That was what I got from the Lord. Hey, let something aside. There's poor people everywhere you go. In front of the places, asking for food, asking for money. Feed people. Let that be a part of what you do or what I bless you with. And so every day, though, every day, it's four reasons. It's an Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, Proverb. Discipline yourself. Everybody here should be able to do that. We should be doing that as a church. I don't care what else you read. We should be able to do that as a church. Everybody should be able to do it. It's because it's not that. I mean, we, you can't set aside that little bit of time to go through the Bible as a community of believers. Why not? Why not? So I'm not beating y'all up. But I'm beating y'all up. So if that if, if the boot fits, we should all be doing that together. It's, it's, it just take that much time. And then it, it has us all on the same page. Reading through something. There's accountability. Right. My wife do the reading. Did you do the reading, babe? You can't fake it if you didn't. Now nah, I'm going to do it right now. Uh, or if we did. Now we can talk about it. We can challenge and build each other up and share what we got from the word. 
are you temperate? Like that's that's what it is. An athlete, they give up. They can't just they can't be at McDonald's. You an athlete. You got to have a six pack. You don't get a six pack at Mickey D's. You know, you can't be at the fried chicken joint. You got to be, you know, they got cut up meals. They got to eat them at a certain regimen of time. They got to, you know, make shakes and this, that and the other, you know, so that they can be able to go out there and, and win a reef. Right. They're willing to do all that to go win a reef. I won. What are you willing to do to advance the cause of Christ, to, to see God do a greater thing in you and through you and with you? Some of our time in the word, what God's doing is equipping us for the ministry that we don't even know is coming. God said, you just sow the word in. You're going to know me better. Right. You can't prepare. There's some things you can't prepare for. You you can't get ready for that question that you don't know is coming. But as you just read every day, God said, look, as you're reading, you're preparing, you're sowing. I'll bring it out. I'll give you opportunities to see it be used. And, and you'll be blown away at how. Wow. I guess had I not been sowing this in, um, this would have been an empty space. I would have been like, I don't know. I don't know, I, I, you know, you, you'd be less prepared, less equipped. Sometimes you're going to read and it's going to make you ask questions. I don't understand what I just read. What's that mean? Let me go ask somebody. Let me read a little further. Now you learn something that you didn't know. You grew. You just grew. As you grow, you can help other people grow. But as you say stuck in a rut and you're not growing, you can't take people any further than you've gone. That's what happens to people that won't discipline themselves, do spiritual things. Discipline yourself to spend time in prayer. Right. Prayer is an act of faith. Because you don't see God. You're speaking to God you don't see, but it's powerful. It's necessary. And we need to be a part of it. Discipline yourself to, to be a better witness. Um, some people are afraid to witness. So they're afraid to get asked a question they don't know. Don't be afraid. I, this is my rule, right? I know the gospel. The guy that led me to Christ, he didn't. I don't think he know anything but the gospel. He knew I was going to hell, that Jesus died for me and God loved me. That was it. That was it. That, that's what he shared with me, you know? I don't need to know all the answers to all the questions. I don't need somebody to say, well, you know, you know, there's a third moon out in Atlas. And do you know how God and the angels and then the, the aliens, man, er, with all that? I don't have no answers for none of that. I know Jesus died for you. He loves you. You're a sinner. You need help. You know, you know, now you might get hit with some legitimate things that you go back and study and learn and you become better equipped. Your sword is sharpened up. So it's not we, we don't want to not engage so that we don't get hit with something we don't know. So we don't look bad. That's the thing about yourself. I'd rather get asked something I don't know. And my rule is I'm only willing to be asked something I don't know once. Someone asks something I don't, I don't know. That's a great question, bro. I don't know that. I'm going to go find out. So the next person to ask me, I got an answer. Now I'm sharper. Now I'm a better tool. I'm a better witness, better equipped. Do you know I've been asked questions I don't know more from my own children than anybody else? It's like they be still stomping you. The kids would be, well, dad, how come this? And I'm like, that's, that's a really good question. I got to go look it up. That's a great question, you know? Um, but it'll sharpen you up. So they're temperate and, and it's in all things and everything. Temperate in their exercise, temperate in what they eat. Um, but they do all this for a perishable crown. He says, look, we do it for an imperishable crown, right? There are rewards that God wants to reward the believer with that won't pass away. Now, the Bible speaks of several different crowns, and that's not the goal of our study this morning. But I um, just want to throw this out. What do we do with those crowns in heaven? What do you guys think we do with them? Cast them at his feet, right? You know, some people, some of y'all, some of y'all be like, I'll be, I'll be in heaven stunting, like put my crown on. I got, I got one here. I got one around my chain. I can't even wear all my crowns. I got, you know, but when you read the scriptures, you know what it says? They do with them crowns, right? They take them and they lay them at his feet and worship. So now this is what I imagine, right? Imagine the person that just has all these, they live so sacrificially for God that in the next scene realm, they have all these crowns just lay at his feet and give it to him. And imagine the person that's standing there with no crowns. 
I mean, he loves the Lord too. I just don't have nothing to show for because I live so selfish. I live such a carnal, wicked, you know, just a, a such a carnal, self-centered existence. I don't have that to offer you, right? You can never get a crown once you're in heaven. You can't get them then. You either got them. Now, I wonder, do you get them back? And then every time it works, you get to do it again, do it again, do it again. Because the crown doesn't go away. It's not like it's forever. Forever, that's what you have. I just, I, I, if I could challenge us to think about the next realm. I know some people don't, they don't like to think about that. It's like, well, I just, you know, I, I'm living life right now. But you're not going to be here that long. In comparison to eternity, if you live to be 100, which most of you won't. But if you live to be 100, that's a drop in the bucket to eternity. Eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. People that died 200 years ago, they still in heaven or 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 hell. They're where they are. And it's just time is just rolling. Right. You know, it's it's going to be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It's never going to run out. And you have every day on earth opportunity to sow into that life, to sow into eternity. All kind of different ways. When you share with the poor, you're, you're sowing into eternity. When you minister the gospel, you're sowing into eternity. When you as you minister to people in need around you, you're sowing. There's so many things you can do to sow into eternity. We want to be sowing into eternity. We want to be living. I'm living life right now, but I want to live this life with the next life in mind so I don't miss nothing. So he who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Even though they do it to obtain a perishable crown, we do it for an imperishable one. Verse 26, therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, right? Paul says, I'm not running with uncertainty. I'm not out here just meandering. I got specific focus and purpose. So with that, right, is there a sense of focus and purpose to your life? Do you know what your lane is? Uh, I know my lane is God called me to ministry. God called me to pastoral ministry. This is my lane. I should be studying. I should be praying. I should be teaching. I should be ministering to people. I should be looking out for people's spiritual well-being. That's what I'm that's my lane. That's what I'm called to do. What's your lane? What's your specific focus? What's God given you? What part of the body of Christ are you? Are you a prayer warrior? Are you someone that is teaching? Are you someone that's giving? Are you someone that's serving and helping and, and tan in just practical ways? We all have a part. Everybody has a part. And every part matters, right? There isn't one part greater than the other. I'm up front. I'm not greater than anybody here. I'm not greater than the people that set up earlier. I'm not greater than the people that clean the restrooms. I'm not greater than the women that are teaching our kids right now. We all equally are doing our part. And everybody's in their lane. And everybody's doing their part. And so I'm asking everybody here, do you know what your lane is? What's your area of focus? What, what gifts has God given you? What things has God spoken to you about? Because that's what you want to be focused on, right? He says, therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, right? Paul said, I'm not just going around just trying this and trying that all uncertain. There's a focus. I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to be right here doing this thing. What's your lane? What's your focus? So that you're not out here with uncertainty, that you're walking with a sense of focus. My focus is that someone pinned you down and say, hey, what's your, what's your calling? What's God called you to do in your time and space on earth? We should have an answer for that. My, my calling is this thing right here. God uses me. And, and everybody's calling is not going to be ministry like what I do. The guy that led me to Christ, if I had to pin down, like, man, what's his calling? Him and his wife, everywhere that they move, people get saved. They moved in my apartment building when I was in Hawthorne. I got saved. They got, you know, he got his job. They bought their first house out in Corona. And I went out there with him and they were leading neighbors to the Lord. Then they got a second house in Corona, lead new neighbors to the Lord. Then they got a third. I said, God, keep blessing y'all with bigger houses so y'all can minister to another neighborhood. I, I really believe that. You know, they, he, they, now they got a they, they could be at our church. So they got six kids. 
Is it six? Yeah, they, 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 they multiply, you know, so, um, so they, they expanding and growing, but everywhere they go, people get saved. And I'm like, he's always wondering if, if he's supposed to be doing church ministry. I'm like, y'all doing pretty good, just like y'all do everywhere y'all go. All the kids are on sports teams, people getting saved. You know, y'all are a great example, a great witness. That might just be his lane, you know, where God's called him. He called me to this, called him to that. And so every ministry is not the same, but do you have a lane? Do you have a sense of this is what I'm doing with my life that matters beyond this life? What is it? Write it down. Be faithful to it. Uh, work hard at it. Get better at it. Grow in it. It's not something any 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 area of gifting or calling. You get better at it as you put focus upon it. I know my calling is to teach and to be. A, I got to work on it. I'm, I'm I'm always trying to be better at what I do. I'm not done yet. There's always room for improvement. I can be better at a lot of different things. So I'm growing and I'm learning and I won't stop till I get to heaven. Wherever you call to do right, like an athlete that's trying to win, you got to be working at it. Growing in it. You can't be content. You can't be complacent. You can't be sitting around thinking that you're going to go off of your talent. You want to grow in your area. Be excellent in that thing that God gave you to do for him. Amen. Verse 26, Paul says, again, therefore, I run thus not with uncertainty. Now he kind of changes the analogy to a fight. He says, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Anybody here that is been involved in any kind of fight sport, boxing, martial arts or whatever, you know, you'll see guys shadow boxing in their little videos. But if that's if all you do is shadow boxing, you get in a real fight, you're getting beat up. You know, the air don't hit back. The air don't give resistance. You don't build up strength hitting the air. You could do that as just, a, you know, I'm just, who, just trying to get my, get my wing going. But that's all you're doing is beating the air. You're going to get beat up when you get in a real fight. You cannot train for a real fight beating the air. And so he says, look, I, I, I train. I said, I fight, he says, not as one who beats the air. I'm not just out here trying to, you know, just, just beating out, beating the air, trying to, you know, you know, I, I, I train. I actually get ready for this thing. I've had, you know, Harmony and BJ both been in martial arts. And, and, and as they're in there, you know, you go to some schools for martial arts and they're so careful with the kids. And then the kids never get hit. They never hit nobody, just hit bags. When you take those kids to a tournament, guess what happens? They get hit for the first time by the kid that's at the school where they actually hit and they be out there crying. So I wouldn't let my kid go to a school where it's like they don't never you never had a fight. Now you're going to have a fight. Now you got the training. You, you got to get hit. You got to get beat up. Got somebody go upside your head. You got to see what it feels like and how to prepare for it and everything else. That's how you prepare for that. So what is what do we take from that in a spiritual battle? Some people try to live so cautious in their spiritual life that, that you're trying to make sure nothing bad happens to you. Going out there and getting a fight. Going out there and, and getting a battle. If you, I'm studying the word. I got to go out there and preach it. Right? If I'm learning how I know how to share the gospel, I got to go out and preach the gospel. I got to be willing to go at times in the difficult scenarios and just say, God, I'm out here in your name. So whatever happens, happens. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Right? I can't be, we go out and do different kind of ministry. You can't be afraid. You can't go out and be worried about yourself. Right. When I look at the men, men of God, men in the word, I don't see guys that were worried about themselves. They were out there ministering to other people, even if it meant they were at risk a little bit. Right. If I'm I'm I'm, I'm never really at risk. Right. The child of God, nothing can happen to me that doesn't pass by God. And if something's going to happen to me, it can happen to me while I'm doing nothing or it can happen to me while I'm out there serving. Now, check this out. If I happen to go through some adversity in the midst of my service, there goes a reward where Jesus said, look, Rejoice when when men persecute you, revile you and do all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. 
Yahoo. So even when it's bad, it's good for the believer. So I don't want to be living in such a way where I'm trying to avoid little persecution, avoid, you know, well, well, this is a dangerous area. And if you go out here to preach the gospel, somebody might beat you. They might beat you up, but they might get saved. They might hear you. First Corinthians touches on how the city of Corinth was rampant with idolatry and immorality, not too different from cities of today. Does this mean that you run away and isolate yourself from the sinful world? No, but Paul's letter did communicate that as a Christian, it's important to live a life that's upright and pure before God, even in the midst of a dark and sinful world. When the pressure is great, your opportunity to contrast the dark with light can be even greater. How does one do this with all the influences pressing in? Keep looking to the Word of God for direction in all things. If you're seeking some assistance with where to read, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through 1 Corinthians. Before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to joining Pastor Bill again next time right here on A Transforming Word. Transforming Word